0: Two of the very best
1: operators. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These
0: two do not like each other.
1: There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race.
2: Okay, let's get it done. It is episode number 20 of Parked Up, Powered by the Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley, and I'm with Tony Delberto. We've been doing this for twenty weeks, Tony, and Woo! the world is uh, not improving. Well, certainly not down here in Victoria. We must sound like broken records for ah. our regular listeners. It just keeps getting worse in Victoria.
3: Damn, right, it gets worse. We're uh, facing another six weeks of lockdown and harsher restrictions this time, similar to New Zealand, is what we're hearing. It hasn't been quite confirmed yet. When this, when you listen to this podcast, we might know a little bit more. But yeah absolutely devastating really to be honest uh we're copying it down here because our numbers are so terrible and uh the only way to try and get on top of this is to lock us down even further i did have a little laugh though grant
2: yep. we-, we need some laughter at the moment
3: well when they they introduced the uh lockdown period overnight and it was from 8 p.m to 5 a.m and i thought well that doesn't change my life at all
2: Come on, what, are you saying you're not going out to little bars and things? No. It's I've, not affecting your life at all?
3: I felt really old, to be honest, when when they said that, because I thought, well, I'm already t- almost tucked up in bed by 8 o'clock and my alarm's going off at 5, so, uh, yeah, that suits me fine.
2: The only thing that's really worrying for me is when dear says at about 8, 8.30, oh, I need some Tim Tams, <laughs> oh, a block of chocolate would be really good now. Yep will be one unhappy wife going to bed if there's no we don't want to have that no no we don't yeah frustrating frustrating and and double frustrating for you uh yourself in particular with tcr australia the australian racing group and motorsport australia having to pull the pin on the september first round of the series for your honda so yeah still no racing just yet for yourself but um look it's going to it it's going to come we might just have to do podcasts for a little longer than we first thought
3: do you know how long we've been saying that we're not far away there's light at the end of the tunnel blah 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 i reckon we should just not try and predict anything yeah and to be honest the racing will happen when it when it can and when we're allowed to and that's it you know we just got to get on top of this virus
2: i heard someone say just recently talking about normal and someone pulled (laughs) them up on the word normal Mm. we're gonna have to burn every dictionary and Mm. change the meaning of the word normal
3: without a doubt yep it's been such a strange year and it keeps getting worse
2: anyway i'm proud that we've got up to episode 20 of parked up we're powered by race fuels the uh, best and it's the only way that you can get your fuels at the racetrack they had a state race meeting up in sydney on the weekend really really well supported you could see massive enthusiasm mm. from state level competitors to be there they had eight or nine classes of course they were all uh, all filled to the brim with uh, race fuels finest so uh, good to see some level of competition going about yep. and of course we're racing up in Darwin mm. for the next round of the Supercars Championship first of two events up in Hidden Valley what limb would you give to be up in <laughs> Darwin at the moment
3: uh, it's certainly a, a very nice thought to be up there in the sun and uh, potentially have a little bit more freedom it's a, it's a really nice place up there and I I have fond memories of going racing up there and then to spend you know a couple of weeks hanging around to do this double header it's not that tough to think how these guys are coping with that. So I appreciate the sacrifice a lot of the teams are making to go up there and, and put on a show for us, but hey, it could be worse, it could be in Victoria and uh, deal with the cold weather and everything else that's going on down here in Victoria. But yeah, super excited for Supercars to be back in action this weekend at Darwin. There has been uh, a little bit of controversy, I guess you could call it, when basically Darwin wanted to shut their borders and everybody that was living in Brisbane in the hot spot had to suddenly pack up their stuff and, and go. And Queensland, I suppose, has been an area where the teams thought they were quite safe and then suddenly uh, everything got flipped on their head and there's the drivers and the teams have basically been on standby and ready to blaze to Darwin as soon as they had to. Um, I was thinking it was going to happen over the weekend, but it seems like possibly tomorrow which will be tuesday that you listen to this podcast so they should be in the air flying to darwin uh, for the for the next event but originally they were going to go up on the friday of the weekend so next friday um, for the for the race and then that got brought to monday and then suddenly it was the week before and some drivers were actually going to come back and forth between the events to spend a bit of time and back with their families all that's been canned and also after darwin a lot of the drivers and teams are going straight to townsville so they're not getting that opportunity to go back and see their families
2: yeah yeah and that uh, kind of balances out or it doesn't completely balance it out but it should make it a little bit easier on those victorian teams mm. which spoke about last week and it's been well documented in the media these victorian teams By the time we get to Townsville, they wouldn't have been home for two months, Mm. so the uh, Queensland teams can have a little bit of that medicine as well.
3: Yeah, and I think the big question is what's going to happen after Townsville, Uh, but we've just got to play it by ear at the moment. Just take one race meeting at a time because things are changing that quickly. By the time Victoria is all cleared up, who knows, Queensland, New South Wales might be in a in a similar state
2: let's hope not because we need to keep going racing we don't want any of australia to have this uh damn virus otherwise we're all going to end up living down in tassie or uh, that wouldn't be so bad yeah yeah, we've got nice beer down there chocolate (laughs) factories all sorts of things we've got a cool cool show here for episode 20 of parked up tony d we have uh, Dean Canto coming up a little bit later ah, on, so Dino. haven't spoken to him for a little while and will be cool to touch base with him. You did a lot of racing against him. Yeah, he's punted
3: me off quite a few times.
2: Perfect. We can bring up a couple of we those. Will. So we'll catch up with Dean a little bit later on. Really looking forward to that. And one of the th- topics that we're going to cover today is nicknames in Australian motorsport mm-hmm. on our Parked Up Podcast Facebook page we asked some fans to suggest some of their uh, favorite nicknames that have been uh, rolling around the Australian motorsport traps for a long time uh, and we've also uh, spoken to a couple of people a couple of notorious nickname givers right. who operate in the Australian motorsport landscape so we'll uh, we'll cover some nicknames soon before we do the nicknames tony what did you get called what was your nicknames growing up you know in in childhood or adult life <laughs> short ass <laughs> yep
3: no my most people uh, call me TD for obvious reasons dalbert I know some of the Porsche guys from the Porsche driver training center call me dalbert uh, I'm not sure exactly why but I suppose it's an abbreviation of my surname
2: yeah typically Australian like yeah cutting things off or adding an O or adding an ie or a Y yeah that's a real just to make you
3: to sound a little bit Silly. S- Scafy. Yeah,
2: Scaifey. Dalbertoey. Doesn't really work, <laughs> no, does doesn't it? not work.
3: So, yeah, that's probably it. TD is stuck, though, so I'm happy with that.
2: Yeah. Tony D. What about you, you cop- Grant? a bit of Tony D. Uh, I'd never been able to really hold a nickname properly. Maybe I'd just fly under the radar Grantos. in the nickname. Yeah, I got a little bit of that. Growly. I got a bit of Growly or Growler. Yeah. Mm. Um, mm. Where did that come from? <laughs> some Someone with a... Mind in the gutter. Yes. Um, in primary school, I copped a bit of granty pantyhose. Really, that was a that was a thing. It had nothing to do with um, what I was wearing to school, but uh, that was uh, that was kind of a memorable one. I haven't really had too many others. You know, you get some some with the grs. Mm. Um, There's some really
3: good ones in motorsport though I, I get a
2: lot of people who don't remember my name And call me mate a lot I get a lot of mate Yeah, mates, I do that a boss.
3: lot yeah. Boss
2: Boss <laughs> <laughs> They're the names you give when you uh, have completely forgotten who you're talking to And uh, you need to come up with um, with something real fast
3: Alright mate, so let's check out what we've got in the news today
2: Okay, news Okay, so we'll have more on our nicknames a little bit later on, but leading the news this week is that Supercars team's having to flee Queensland, where they've all been based, all the Victorian teams, all the Queensland teams, obviously, and they've had to check out. And they've had to do it fast. Mm. There's been a little bit of confusion. And we did have a couple of current supercars, drivers and team owners lined up for some chats today. Yeah, they basically ruined our show today. But but we weren't allowed to talk to them because of a media ban. Mm. Supercars were pretty straightforward with their comms to the teams to say no chats, no media. So
3: forgive me for being maybe a bit daft, but why would they do that?
2: I think they wanted to make sure that... Everyone gets into Darwin, gets into the Northern Territory before they start spruiking about what's going on. I'm pretty sure that could possibly be the only reason why. They just want to make sure that everyone gets into Darwin before Instagram stories are being loaded up about road trips or Mm. flights or delays or confusion, possible hurdles. They want to make sure that they're in the northern territory before they start spruking about how this weekend is going to go or even yeah. confirming that this weekend is going ahead. Yeah. The racing is going ahead at the moment. But of course like we've all seen how the world changes so mm. much. Supercars is just protecting itself by keeping a, as low profile as possible. You would have uh, any any fans can go and check back through I'm pretty sure every Supercars driver's social media pages and there has not been one update Mm. since the weekend. It's interesting
3: though, from the the back end, uh, there's been a lot of correspondence from Supercars to drivers and teams about uh, what's going on. It's almost been a bit of a panic. Um, And to put a media ban on it and to tell drivers and everybody to basically stop reporting what's going on almost suggests that there is a panic and perhaps maybe they're trying to get around certain regulations or something is going on.
2: Yeah, I'd, I don't know. They should, they should have the support of the local governments. Just look at really high-profile instances like mm. um, I think it was Danny Minogue and it was um, Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban who all came into Australia from mm. uh, overseas and they were given special government dispensation to spend their quarantine in uh, in their own homes, in their but holiday homes or their Australian homes or whatever it was. So why? the government has to tick that off. But why do they do that? Oh, well, I don't know. They might be giving supercars, uh, drivers, team personnel, whatever, uh, and a little extra, a- an extra hand with it as well. And mm. like awesome if they do, because it might mean that the event For sure. goes ahead. With uh, supercars have been awesome in that they've had 100% no COVID tracings Mm -hmm, get mm -hmm. that would really put a... I don't think it would stop it if we Mm -hmm. got one, Mm -hmm. but you know how quickly this disease can... um, This virus can quickly uh, rip through things, Mm -hmm. so... uh,
3: Well, chatting with Fabs last week, he was saying that he's already had quite a few tests, uh, COVID tests, um, prior to going to events. He says it's quite uncomfortable. I haven't had one myself. So it shows that they're being very serious about testing everybody so it's not like we haven't had any cases because they're not testing yep. um complete opposite there so um the thing is i think they need to get to darwin and then actually get tested again before we go racing on the weekend
2: well there we go that'll all happen bit of a uh, ram that old uh craziness that uh, big stick up there schnozzer mm. and uh, see what's going on uh, there was some racing on the weekend. We had the British Grand Prix in front of no crowd. Mm-hmm. And Lewis Hamilton, the um, home driver, took the win. He took the win with only three tyres <laughs> inflated wheels, on his car. Three wheels on his wagon. It was a uh, typical of a British Grand Prix. It was a bit of a snooze fest in my opinion. But the ending was awesome with, with uh, Lewis dragging that thing home.
3: Yeah, I haven't watched the entire race just yet. I've watched the start, and there's a couple of safety cars already. Um, Kvyat had quite a big crash uh, through a high-speed part of the circuit there, destroyed his AlfaTori, Honda-powered AlfaTori, I should say. (laughs) So that was unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, Lewis, he had a a really solid weekend, obviously put on pole by three-tenths over Bottas. But the Mercs were a second clear of position three who was uh, Max Verstappen, who is seems, seems to be the best of the rest. But then the, you know, the mid pack there is quite close. I think if you took Mercedes out, you'd have a really good fight on your hands. And Max almost came through for the win there. They, they opted to pit right at the end there and put fresh tires on Max's car. Um, and if they hadn't have done that, he would have been able to catch Lewis with his, his tire deflated. So all hindsight stuff, but it shows they were in the fight. And for whatever reason, um, both Mercedes and other cars, I think McLaren as well, had a flat front left tyre. So it was obviously the the most loaded tyre, um, but just couldn't take the, that punishment for so long. So they're racing again there this weekend with different tyres, but they'll have a lot more knowledge going forward. Now, maybe they need to back off some of their cambers or, or whatever setup they have on the car to be so aggressive uh, and making the cars so fast uh, to try and you know live through the race. Because... It's one thing getting damage on the tyre, but then it tears up all the aero as well, and you can soon end your race pretty quick.
2: Mm. Well, uh, it looks like Lewis is to lose at the moment. Oh, we're oh, going to yeah. have a shortened championship. 93 career wins. The guy is an absolute freak. Not bad. Uh, the other <laughs> other piece of significant news that we have is that, uh, and we alluded to this at the top, Motorsport Australia and the Australian Racing Group have had to postpone the... First scheduled race of the championship, the TCR Australia S5000, all operating under the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships. So another delay and no actual firm date. The next Mm. firm date that we have is the Bathurst International, mid-November. But ARG and and Motorsport Australia are talking about potentially a mid-October kickoff for it. So that will kind of be a reasonable result, given the Mm. fact that we're actually not supposed to leave our homes Mm. uh, up until mid September. So it's crazy to think less than a month after that, we might even be racing. So I've spoke to Matt Braid, the CEO of the Australian Racing Group, just to give a little bit of an update on the calendar and the Bathurst International.
1: We're still in a situation, the COVID situation, which is just unprecedented for everybody the key aspect for all of us is to remain as flexible and as adaptable as we can to the ongoing changes Uh, it's regrettable we've had to you know shift sorry postpone the sydney event once more but all of us you know from a point of view of arg motorsport australia and obviously all our competitors and our various categories are all wanting to go racing as soon as we can and we're all working together to keep planning on, on how we can best do that while we are looking to make plans adapt the plans for the calendar you know one thing's just certain the best international is one event that is really well and truly locked in we don't want to see move and we're going to work uh work out a way some way shape or form to get that event happening on the november date and to make it you know as big as and spectacular as it can be and ideally as a bit of a showpiece of you know giving some motorsport excitement to fans and also and also having our competitors involved as a, as a way of paying, paying them back for the hardship that everyone's been through this year. So you know, we are hopeful that Bathurst International is a shining light for the 2020 calendar.
2: So the plans are for Bathurst International to go ahead and after, as Matt said, after such a dog shit year, mm. <laughs> going to Bathurst. And having an awesome festival of racing, which yep. is what would be planned up there, you know, ten events and uh, best racetrack we have in the country. That that would be a pretty sweet sweet way to uh, get rid of some of the nasties of mm. twenty twenty.
3: Oh, without a doubt, that that's going to be a red hot event. I I literally can't wait for it. Personally, I think it's going to be the first event of the year for us, um, and that's a you know, an amazing way to kick off the off our championship. Uh, a little bit of a daunting task, to be honest, to go to the best and most fierce race racetrack in the in the country um, after we've been sitting on our backsides for most of the year. But I think the Bathurst 1000 is looking like my next race anyway. So what's another Bathurst race on the calendar? We, I can't complain too much.
2: Yeah, that's right. Well, you've only done what? How many races have you done this year?
3: One, and it was a Bathurst. Okay, perfect.
2: You could just be uh, everyone. A lot of people might just be uh, Bathurst-only drivers in, in 2020. Who who would have thunk it? Um, okay, cool. That's the news, unless you've got anything else to add to the news. No, no I've got nothing. You're not right? having a COVID baby? Definitely not. <laughs> we did We did see uh, that David Reynolds is having a COVID baby. Though. There you go, that's the news, so yeah. That's, uh, that's nice for Reynolds and for Tahan, so mm. that's uh, that's really good I news. I know Tahan's
3: been wanting to have a baby for a while. Perfect. Yes, and David hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all she right. She wore him down.
2: Exactly, that's how sometimes, certainly I know that's how nah, it went hey. in my in my house, certainly for number one, I had to push really hard for number two. Oh, there you go. I had to push hard for
3: number two. And David might be the same. Once he has one, he might have a calf full of five. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, about time. About time he had a baby. Good on He's him. not getting any younger. Congratulations
2: to both of them. All right, we're going to move on to uh, our topic that we brought up for this week, and it's nicknames. Nicknames in Australia is such a thing. Mm. And, you know, if you don't have a nickname, then, you know, slice your name in half and chuck an O or a Y, I, y somewhere.
3: I'm going to turn this on its head a little bit, and I am going to give you the nickname... And I want you to tell me who it's referring to. Oh, okay. Because it's always based, you know, I always get pranks, so. Okay, go.
2: All right? Give me some Give me some nicknames. We'll you. start out with an easy one. Go. Okay?
3: Crusher.
2: Oh, Crusher. Well, when we've gone straight to the elite of Australian motorsport um, identities, haven't we? And Crusher is was obviously it? Brett Murray. Oh, there you go. From BAM Media and Speed Cafe fame. Now Crusher got his nickname through someone who was playing gridiron or American football mm. and, uh, and and he was involved in the game. Did look sure like him? No, someone had said, Oh, you'd look like you'd absolutely crush crush uh, them or you'll be a crusher or something like that. Yep. So Crusher had kind of stuck it's after stuck. that.
3: All right, who's next? Iron Maiden.
2: Yeah, so that's Simona Di Silvestro. Why? Because she's a girl. Yeah. So Maid. Maiden, yeah. And Iron Maiden is a famous American band. I think they're American. Okay. A rock band. Is she American? No, she's not American. This but isn't making iron, any sense. Iron Maiden she's um she's from Switzerland, but they call her the Iron Maiden. She races, you know, cars that are full of iron. So true, it true. all it all adds up.
3: All right. One that I really like. What's that? Boobs.
2: Boobs. <laughs> so that's Timmy Blanchard, you beauty, and such Why? a good, such a good dude. Well, I think because of uh, the shape of his um, <laughs> his upper body, I don't know. I'd be interested to know who came up with that. But that that was back in Formula mm. Ford days, and mm. when he was doing DVS, they were calling him boobs. All right, Timmy Blanchard. I like that man. Yeah, well, he, uh, he we should speak to him one well, day for sure. We definitely
3: should baby face assassin
2: that's um that is glenn seaton yep coined by mike raymond and later on we've got uh some chat with a couple of motorsport dignitaries including mm-hmm. gary rogers uh we sp- I spoke to jason barguana phil Brannigan, and aaron noonan and they go into uh, a little bit more about the, the nicknames that were passed on to the australian motorsport Guys by Mike Raymond, mm-hmm. who um, rests his soul recently passed, but he uh, coined a lot of those names. He came from a speedway background, and his idea was to give those top line guys mm. those those nicknames. So, like uh, Tricky Dicky is mm-hmm. is one of them. We've got uh, Tricky Dicky, Peter Perfect, uh, No Baloney Tony. Who's that? Tony Longhurst. Oh yeah. So so that they were all Mike Raymond. But they've all got his little...
3: Okay, moving end. on now to the rat. Yeah, Paul Radisic. Paul Radisic, okay. Um,
2: and I can't remember how... So it was oh, You don't have
3: to give an explanation for all of them.
2: No, I know. But <laughs> I wish uh, I'd, I probably could have prepped better, but uh, I, I actually, in my house, I had a rat doll.
3: Yeah, it It looked like him.
2: Yeah, no, no, no. It did look like a rat. It was a rat. And one of the promotional uh, things that you could buy from DJR in 99 when he first came mm. 99 or 2000 they brought out this little stuffed toy which was a rat mm. in a shell helix race suit okay. so it was um something that you could buy from uh from from the racetracks so they really pushed that uh the rat thing pretty pretty hard and he was um like he was so fast when he came out here to australia mm. really 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 fast and not not super consistent at uh, at the very start but um, he was knocking on the door, and when he was, when he was quick, he was really quick. Was
3: he rat-a-tat-tatting?
2: Well, he was, uh, <laughs> he, was a bit, uh, he was a bit ratty in some of the moves. Remember, he'd just come from the British Touring Car Championship, yeah. and there was no such thing as a clean pass. Yeah, like, yeah uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Cars smashing into each other left, right, and centre, and he brought a little bit of that, and mm. it, it, was, it was really exciting in that, uh, in that period, and obviously super, super fast.
3: All right, another one that we should actually chat to on our podcast, the Enforcer.
2: Yeah, Russell Ingle. So Paul Gover, who we spoke to last week, mm. he gave him the Enforcer And it just stuck. Tag. Yeah. Okay. For so, obvious
3: reasons, because I've raced against Russell many times. Yep. And he literally enforces his way through pasture. Yep. Yeah, he doesn't know any other way. Uh, some easy ones here: per dog and sleigh dog.
2: Yeah, what is the th- th- what's the deal with ending in dog? I don't know. I think it was just well, it was it's easy thing- for per
3: cat. They just changed it to dog. Yep, sleigh dog. I don't know.
2: It's got a nice ring to it, though.
3: I think it's when he gets drunk, the the dog <laughs> comes out of the slate or something. I'm not sure.
2: <laughs> I think the dog came from mid two thousand Fifteens yeah. sort of era, uh, everyone just got dog thrown on the end of their name. <laughs> so um, there you go, Tony Dog.
3: We've got a couple more here. Frosty,
2: yeah. So and I Biebs. Th- so Frosty was from I think Ross Stone gave him okay. Frosty because of um,
3: Mark Winterbottom. That's right. So <laughs> that's I an easy one. You can oh, see I, the you know connection there. I do
2: want to see. Oh, I would like to ask. Frosty, mm. some of the nicknames he got as a, as a kid. I'm sure it mm. wasn't Frosty, but no. having Bottom in your middle name, oh, in yeah. your last name, you're just going to, kids you're are going to cop it, are you? You're going to cop I it. I mean, if I'm getting Granty Pantyhose <laughs> and he's got Bottom <laughs> in his last name, then he's going <laughs> to cop it for sure. I got no doubt.
3: Now, one that everyone should know the kid.
2: Yeah, Craig Lowndes. um And I'm just trying to think who may have given it. I don't think it might have been Mike Raymond. It could have been. It was. A while cer- ago now. It was certainly in. Uh, I think he got the kid. It must have been after he uh, finished second at Bathurst. Yeah, I reckon too. Um, going into that '95 season, he still wasn't a full-time driver there. But I know by the time they got to the first round of '96, they were flat out calling him the kid mm. in the broadcast, mm-hmm. and he went on to win that round at city motorsport park and he went on to win that championship and he was certainly the kid uh the kid then he doesn't get called the kid too often now probably because he's definitely not a kid Mm. and he's um he's uh, you know right into his his 40s and at the back end of his career still damn fast Mm. And uh, yeah, but for sure, he was the kid. He was hot property. the the uh, The guy who replaced the great Peter Brock as you know the the next the next thing. And he's done a couple of things in his career, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> All
3: right, let's move to
2: have a chat with our mate Gary Rogers. Yeah, well, so the reason I picked Gary to speak about nicknames is that he's really one of the pioneers of you can't work in my shop unless you have a nickname and you get given a nickname straight away so he was an obvious one here's gary rogers and his take on nicknames in australian motorsport
0: well a nickname is for me is a term of endearment now a lot of them may not sound very daring when you're calling people uh names that they mightn't like but of course it's not um it's not really what you say, it's how you say it or the meaning it's said within. You. you. can say things in a, a, uh, or a sort of laughable, friendly manner that people may not like. But look, I've just always liked it. I've found that often you can break the ice with people if you give them a nickname. To me, sometimes you can relate a nickname to the person's character or to what their existing name is or the way they look. But I also think there's times in my um, – I mean, everyone here has got a nickname. In fact, a lot of the girls that have worked here for many, many years never even knew the people's real names here because everyone just had a nickname. And it always a bit of an issue with travel, like booking places and doing things because you had to take identification. But anyway, that's getting off the sidetrack a bit. But, um, uh, look, I just love it. I think it's a friendly thing to do. I've always liked it. I'm trying to think of my best and my worst um, – uh, well, I go back to Sherl's early days here, Sherl, because he had such curly little hair and he looked like a little girl, so we called him Sherl and he got offended at first, but once he got to like it, everyone called him Sherl. So I found that was uh, one of our best. Now, not all of them have been politically correct, and there's quite a few that haven't been, but mind you, they've all worked very well uh, in terms of uh, what we like to do with the, um, the atmosphere and the friendliness of our work uh, activities.
2: Now, we thank Gary for his time, and he started to enjoy that conversation so much. Uh, in, in typical Gary fashion, he uh, we'd finished talking about it. He quickly hung up, and then he called me back like two minutes later and he said, I've got to tell you this story about our team manager, Stefan Millard. So this is uh, this is what Gary called back with.
0: So Stiffy, as we all know, Stiffy now is Stiffy, right? But Stiffy's real name is Stefan. And when uh, we had a Polish cleaning lady here and she couldn't speak very good English, she had quite a uh, accent and she used to call him Stiffin, Stiffin instead of Stefan. So, and of course, Stiffen got abbreviated to Stiffy. So everyone knows Stiffy is Stiffy. And of course, others think it's something different, but that's actually the facts.
2: So there you go. The, the man who makes sure that the S5000s and all the TCR cars and all of Gary's stuff is all together and in one spot the guy who's responsible for that his name in the workshop is stiffy <laughs> how, how would you <laughs> how, how would you, you take go? serious how that's right how would you go if your nickname was stiffy what would you think well that he gets a stiffy all
3: the time <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a bit of a it's an it's an odd one it's very grm and Stiffy, honestly, doesn't really do any justice for Stefan Millard, who's a terrific guy, really, really switched on, runs a, runs an awesome tight ship at, at GRM, very, very organised, and it's the biggest mismatch of nickname <laughs> and persona that I've ever, ever come across with. But but it's very GRM. Now, while on the GRM theme, uh, I spoke to Jason Barguana, and he started his career as a driver at Gary Rogers Motorsport. And, of course, he copped a nickname as soon as he walked in the door. So I grabbed him to talk about that.
0: Well, it's always interesting at GRM, Gary's very keen on his nicknames. So the first thing he saw when I signed the contract is my initials of Jason Andrew Barguana, J-A-B, he... In his mind, it went jab jabber. That's it, or jabber, and that was like from day one. Everyone else called me Bargs, but Ben, uh, but, but Gary called me Jabber, and then of course when Ben started working in the team, he got Jabber Junior. So he's now known as JJ in the team.
2: So we all know Jason Barguana as Bargs, Yep. But Jabber. Have
0: you Have you ever heard Never that heard before? Never heard of that before.
2: Yeah, And uh, obviously Jabber Junior now yeah. with uh, or Junior Jabber for for Ben Barguana. <laughs> So <laughs> that's a, a, yeah. Everyone inside GRM will yep. call Bargs Jabber, and I when I went down when I went down there now, at the end of last year when Bugs was um, confirming his TCR drive, and they were all calling him Jabber, and I thought, what the hell are these people talking about? <laughs> so so there you go. If you need to speak to Bugs and you mention Jabber, you'll you'll grab his attention. Uh, I also spoke to Aaron Noonan, Mm -hmm. who worked at Holden Motorsport for some years. Uh, Of course, he runs his V8 Sleuth. Um, You'll see him on TV commentary calls. We all know who Noonan is. We all know who Noonan is, yep. And while he was at Holden Motorsport, they had a long and famous history for making sure that everyone who worked inside that little domain always had a nickname. So I grabbed some thoughts from him.
4: I worked at Holden Motorsport uh, in PR and, and media for Pemberton Publicity, who was the, the agent for Holden, uh, 2004 to 2006. And everyone in that Holden Motorsport enclave uh, had a nickname of some sort, whether it be uh, Plastic, Tim Pemberton, who I worked for, uh, Gerald McDornan, who was in the, the PR offices with me there. He had a few different nicknames, but I think he was Otis. And then there's the ones from over the years. It's, it's really been a Holden thing through the lines of the Holden dealer team when you think of... Guys like Mort for for Graham Brown and Hog of Jeff Gretsch and um, the Spear, the late Grant Steers, who was a holding executive. I think it was because of the shape of his head from memory. Uh, Plenty of great nicknames over the years. and It was kind of the anointing uh, Steve Cahoon PR guy I worked with. He was the priest because he was very quietly spoken and um, didn't really say a great deal. Uh, I became – Simon McNamara dubbed me Danny, but it went through four nicknames from – Danny Noonan from Caddyshack to Danny Goonan to Danny. So uh, uh, p- probably the only person in the history of the world, Simon McNamara, to call me Danny
2: as a nickname.
4: But uh, there's been some ripping nicknames in the, the whole of the motorsport family over the years, that's for sure.
2: Well, thanks for that, Danny Goonan. He, I think we, <laughs> we need to get back into that. Thank you, Simon McNamara. That is excellent.
3: Yeah, Danny Goonan. That's what we're calling him from now on.
2: Perfect. Now, Aaron also spoke a little bit about the late, great Mike Raymond, who we mentioned just before, and the role that Mike played on the nicknames of some of the uh, the drivers from the 80s and 90s.
4: Over the years, I think that the uh, the Mike Raymond ones, I know a lot of people didn't like those because they felt they were a bit tacky. or But the fact is, we're still talking about them uh, 25 years after... Mike called his last Bathurst 1000, uh, of course, since his passing. So uh, they've stood the test of time. I mean, Glenn Seaton, the baby-faced assassin, no baloney, Tony, Peter Perfect, Tricky Dicky, Spicy Gricey, you could go right through them all, but it, it grabbed people's attention and it's something that we don't do these days. And there's probably a few nicknames that um, the drivers call one another, but they won't call them uh, publicly. So, uh, yeah, it's probably one of those things that's missing just a little bit from the sport these days, but that's just the nature of it.
2: And I also spoke to Phil Brannigan on, again, about Mike Raymond and some of those nicknames for his take on what those big-name drivers were called back in the day.
5: There are a whole bunch of nicknames in Australian motor racing going all the way back to, I don't know, the year dot. Um, uh, Jack Bradman was known as Black Jack uh, because of his, uh, his black hair. But as interesting as the number of nicknames there have been in Australian motor racing, and particularly for drivers, in a kind of perverse way and a few people will, will accuse me of being definitely in that camp i find it just as interesting that a number of people don't have nicknames mark Scafe is scapey ms because he tends to shorthand everybody's name down to letters so the people that know him often refer to him as um ms except for the people who are really close to him like neil crompton always refers to him as mark so That's kind of interesting. Peter Brock was brocky. It's an Australian thing to put an E or an O on the end of everybody's name. So that kind of makes me Branagano, um, which never really works. So, well, there have been a lot of nicknames that have been manufactured over the journey as well. And a man I had a great deal of admiration for was Mike Raymond. But being the inveterate Speedway promoter, he would always find a way to give somebody a name that would try to encourage people to come to the Speedway events. And in the Amscar series and in the other events that Channel 7 covered, he followed through with that. So Tony Longhurst was no baloney Tony, which always seemed to be a little bit strange. You could have come up with a better rhyme than that, surely. The baby-faced assassin was Glenn Seton, but there are baby-faced assassins in all sorts of other sports. And there are probably baby-faced assassins actually working today as assassins. We just don't know they're there. Alan Moffat, one of the great legendary drivers of uh, of the sport uh, here in Australia, who's very well overseas, Moff, uh, by some of the fans, um, by some of the people in the media who are close to him, uh, he's known as Arthur. And uh, some of the people will say, who showed up today? Was it Alan, who might have been in a bit of a cranky mood, or Arthur, who was even harder to figure out? So if you ever hear someone refer to uh, Arthur Moffat, A, they're referring to Alan and B, they're probably someone who knows him quite well.
2: And that is just about we, all we can drag out on nicknames. I don't know, is there... Um, I like it. You've done well there, Grant. Good stuff. Plenty of uh, plenty of nicknames.
3: A lot, of, of, a of, lot pl- of them I didn't actually know, so it's a bit of a history lesson for us.
2: I did. So Noonan's awesome, obviously. Oh. Spicy Gricey. <laughs> 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 Come on. Come on. How does he remember this stuff, honestly? He is a... He is a He's a book. He's a, he's a walking, talking encyclopedia of Australian motorsport yep. history.
3: Yeah. No, I like that. That was good. Well cool. Done. I mean, we couldn't chat to uh, any supercar team or drivers today, so why not delve into some of the history?
2: Yes, the uh, uncharted history of nicknames in Australian motorsport. We've covered some of it anyway. Mm. So, um, so there you go. But that leads us to our good friend Dean Cantor. Well, he's a supercar driver. He. Yes. Does, has, does he have a, and now we're going to ask, does he have a locked-in enduro drive? I don't think so. Last he,
3: year he did it with Macca Jones. Yeah,
2: and it, before then he'd had a nine-year streak mm. with Tickford. F, Tickford, FPR, all the uh, different names that they've been called over mm. the journey. Yep. So, um, yeah, that was it was a bit of a shame, really, that that came to the end. We'll talk to him about that and Mm. and a bunch more now. It's our one and only uh, real in-depth interview, Tony. We better not (laughs) muck this one up.
3: Let's Let's get
2: him on the call. Let's go. And it's great to welcome Dean Canto onto the Parked Up podcast, powered by Race Fuels. He finally answered his phone, and we're looking forward to talking to Dean. Dean, thanks for joining us.
6: Yeah, thanks, Grant. Um, great to be talking
2: to you.
3: Not, not so much the other guy that's there with you, but um, no. That's uh, it. I'm done. I'm done <laughs> with this conversation.
2: <laughs> that didn't last very long. Made uh, it. It's, no, it's she's been a challenging time over the past few months with COVID-19, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, it's getting us down. How's your life been going? Yeah,
6: look, I mean, obviously... Uh, My work predominantly has been uh, driver training for different manufacturers, so it's always travel. Um, So, yeah, work's taken a big hit and uh, started to look like I could almost travel and then uh, went downhill again. So, um, yeah, look, it's uh, thankfully I've got a couple of track days here and there at the bend. They sort of kept operating just at lower numbers the whole time. And uh, thankfully here in Adelaide we've got a lot of people that are, are keen Car people and, and keen to get out there. So, um, but yeah, it's few, few and far between. It's not like uh, not like I am enjoying COVID,
3: um, but yeah, just doing what I can do to get by. Dino, it's TD, mate. Thank you so much for coming on our program. It's uh, it's a highlight of our twenty episodes so far to have somebody like yourself on this show. Good like, looking, or is, okay. No. i am just getting the sarcasm out of the way to start with.
6: Yep,
3: yeah, good. I ain't joking. How are you how you been, buddy? Yeah, good. I've missed good. you,
6: you know, Like I have really enjoyed looking at that work calendar that we had at the start of the year and <laughs> looking forward to spending some days with you,
3: you know? Yeah, I finally got on the Porsche calendar and yep. Thomas just keeps sending messages saying, guys, just stay on the doll. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it looks like yeah. you've been keeping pretty busy though. You've just rebuilt a beautiful Lamborghini. Shook it down in uh, typical Dean Canto style at uh, Tail and Ben recently, and didn't hold back on the opening lap.
6: <laughs> Not the opening lap, it might have looked like it, but um, so no, uh, one of my clients here in Adelaide had a uh, a little brush with the wall um a while ago, and once we got all the parts from Italy, yeah, it was a fairly big rebuild. And you know, the the spoils I guess of you know working on someone's car, you get to at least drive it every now and then, and you know, what better car to drive than a v 10 naturally aspirated Lamborghini.
3: So that's a Super Trofeo? Super Trofeo model, yeah. So not GT3 spec, but
6: um, on some circuits overseas, they actually almost uh, knock the knocked the GT3 cars off around some of the circuits, depending on the straight and stuff. So uh, lots of downforce, um, good power, big tyres, and, you know, just sounds awesome. And feel like I feel like Batman when I drive it because it looks like the Batmobile. <laughs>
3: Now, you basically rebuilt that car yourself. I mean, it was more than a brush of the wall. Uh, you you've <laughs> <laughs> you basically rebuilt that thing from the ground up. And generally, you've got Garnet Patterson, uh, one of our good friends, helping you. But he's been over in Sydney uh, doing some testing himself. So he's left you on the tools uh, doing it yourself. And uh, quite a big job, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, it, was, it was a bigger
6: job to the point where we had to cut the whole rear frame off, um, and weld a new one on. So all that was left really on the on the car was the front end and the cab. Um, and the front end did sustain some damage as well during the crash. So um, yeah, once all the parts got here from Italy, um, I went straight to the panel shop with the new rear frame, and the car was already there. Uh, Two good friends of mine here in Adelaide, Specific Prestige. I give them a shout out. <laughs> um, they're uh, they're an Audi Lamborghini authorized repairer. So um, once the new rear frame arrived, me being a panel beater previously, I, um, I cut the rear frame off and had it all ready for their guru welder because you need to be trained up on the, uh, the aluminium how out of weld them properly. And, uh, yeah, by the end of that week, they had the car back to me and my little mate Garnet was in Sydney and I had to put the car together myself. So, um, you know, fuel tank, new engine, all that sort of stuff. was uh, was enjoyable, but tough.
2: Well, uh, it certainly looked uh, looked a, a pretty picture from uh, from what you'd put up, and it uh, it looks like she goes pretty good as well. So um, a, uh, a nice little um, COVID project for you to uh, work on there. That's not too bad. And uh, look, I'm glad you actually brought up the uh, panel beating stuff, because that's obviously where uh, all the stuff that you grew up with. Your dad, Rocky, was a uh, panel beater and uh, always into his race cars as well. I guess your career in motorsport your career with cars was sort of set in stone right from the very start
6: yeah look dad uh, dad obviously raced um just in uh mini sports vans. i think it was the only car he could reach the steering wheel and pedals in <laughs>
7: um
6: and then uh yeah desperate father first son he wanted me to get into racing so got me a, a go-kart and um yeah i probably wasn't Natural at it, I guess. I had to work pretty hard at it, but um, grew up with JC and uh, Troy Hunt. If most people would know Troy Hunt in the in the karting game still, yeah. and Frosty and Caruso and all that sort of stuff. So uh, yeah, I got a national title along the way, and um, basically, you know, set my set myself up from from that point on. And always being around cars, used to go to the panel shop with Dad on weekends. So I guess that was my love of cars was ingrained into me from then and um, stupidly, you know, went and did my apprenticeship as a panel beater and worked with him for a long time and, you know, first year of Conica Series, uh, I had a little unit across the road from the panel shop so I'd finish a day of work and then go across the road and a couple of my mates would come over and we'd prep the car ourselves and, you know, that that first year of Conica Series, we didn't have one DNF so there's a lot that goes into making sure, you know, preparation is, is something that I'm a stickler for and always making sure everything's up tight and
2: correct and all that sort of stuff. Konica series, development series, Fujitsu series, it's had a (laughs) a whole bunch of names. Can you believe it's 20 years since you won that first title? That series has been going for 20 years. I know, mate. I'm 40 this year, so, uh, yeah. Join join the club. Uh, I also turned the big old 40, so uh, 1980 babies, they're uh, pretty special.
6: Yeah, but um yeah, on, on another note with that the Lambo, um on my after I did my three or four installation laps came in and had a look, like Tony doesn't think I did. Um <laughs> I went I went back out and set a timing and it's actually the quickest I've ever been in that car, so I must have done something right putting it back together.
3: Maybe you tuned it up. You gave it the tweak it needed.
6: Yeah, that's right, you know. Um I don't know what I'm doing with corner weights and all that sort of stuff, so I just sent it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was
6: um yeah, it came up really well, and obviously the panel shop, they had the laser aligner, so when they put the new reframe on it, they got it within three millimetres, which is in intolerance. So who knows? It may have never been 100%, but um, no, it's uh, it's a great car. And um, yeah, we're actually going out again this weekend. So.
2: Mate, they say, the uh, the old saying is the greyer the hairs, the faster they go, and uh, that could be the case, but not in your case, because <laughs> yeah. all your yeah. hair fell out, damn it. <laughs>
6: yeah I, I skipped going gray and just went straight
2: to ball so <laughs> uh, look that was that was well documented at the time and you know we 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 don't know you any different you don't know yourself any different for um, not having all that pesky hair you would have saved an absolute fortune at the hairdresser over the years just wind the clock back for us and and you know the 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 lead up to that as as i remember was you know it was a pretty stressful time with briggs after you, you know, you'd won, you'd won your DVS series, and you'd you'd climbed your way into uh, your first full time gig in a in a supercar team, and and it was a really really difficult start to your campaign and a difficult environment to be in as well.
6: Yeah, look, I mean, the, the thing with alopecia, a lot of people think it's stress related. So yes, I was in a high stress environment, but it's actually it's an autoimmune condition. So back in the day when I was a, a part race driver i had a helmet that was probably three or four years old and um it uh it actually gave me a little bit of a, a rash on the side of my face to the point where um i had a bit of an infection and took some antibiotics and when it cleared up i, I just stopped taking them i didn't finish the course and then it kept coming back persistent for about six months um and what they think happened is the, uh, a hair follicle got infected deep inside, which triggered an a immune response because the infection was there for uh, quite a long time. And basically, <clears throat> my body started attacking the wrong thing and it attacks my hair follicles. So um, there is a stress-related hair loss, which is... you know my, Mine was very rapid. It was within three or four weeks that I went totally bald. So, um, you know, two, two different things, and everyone thinks it was stressful. Yes, it was a stressful time for me with Briggs, but um, funnily enough, my... My brother and my father have both had uh, autoimmune conditions, different types. But whether we have an overprotective immune system, not sure. But uh, look, at the end of the day, it is my trademark. Everyone knows me like this.
2: And no one love remembers and me. Love hair. <laughs>
6: and And my wife hates me because my legs are smoother than hers.
3: <laughs> Did you at least play it up to uh, John Briggs, your boss, and say, Hey, mate, uh, look how much stress you put me under. I've lost all my hair.
6: Uh, not really, but yeah. it was... It was one of those things, until I had it, I'd never heard of it. So, yeah. immediately, li- literally, I'd ran my hands through my hair one day and there was just a whole heap of hair on it. I was like, uh, you, you you made it immediately think the worst. So, mm. um, you know, you get all the blood tests and they go, oh, yeah, you got some inflammatory markers, this and that, but you're not dying. It's like, oh, okay, good. And then <laughs> it was my first full-time year. So, I was like, oh, how do I handle trying to, <laughs> you know, trying to get through this and and still compete and drive properly. And obviously my results at that point in time did take a hit. But then by the end of the year, I was sort of back on song again. But uh, unfortunately, the the damage was done that year with with results. And Triple Eight later on took the team over that year. Uh, And I think there were some other drivers in the background trying to weasel their way in. So, um, yeah, I took a step back basically by, not by choice. (laughs) To, uh, to be a co-driver
2: with them the following year. Yep, yep, which you did. Uh, no great results there. And, and it meant that you uh, sort of had to rebuild and go back through the, the the development series. You raced against Tony in that 2005 year. You drove with Dick Johnson Racing. And, yeah, you um, you creamed him, really. That was a, a pretty dominating performance. And it also set you up for that uh, Gary Rogers motorsport um, seat that you held for a couple of years that it was really important to even though it might have felt like a step back in 2005 um, that was important to relaunch do you agree
6: yeah look I mean obviously um, it it did set me up Uh, I was just actually sent a a video through the group chat the other day that Tony might remember back to, to Wakefield Park in 2005 (laughs)
3: <laughs> I remember the, uh, the dreaded
6: the, the dreaded first reverse grid race for uh, development series. So
3: and it was all my fault. Um,
6: yeah, ne- never crossed my mind that a car would stall on the grid. I just you know took off and I was right behind Tony. And last second, he's moving to the right really aggressively. I thought, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, now I know why. But uh,
2: was it J. Yeah, verdnick? It like, whose car? Yeah, whose car way. did you smash?
6: Yeah. Yeah, J. verdnick Yeah. Um, so no, yeah, <laughs> that was.
2: Uh,
3: yeah, from from my point of view film. though um <laughs> I remember you know off the start line and, and you were the guy to beat so I'm starting I'd finished third just by you know behind you in the in the first race you'd won and I'd, I was third so I was starting just in a row in front and we get going and I've just missed the back of Jay and it took me by surprise because everybody last minute is darting out of the way and then you've obviously clobbered them. But all I was doing, look, going into turn one, was looking in my mirror going, where's Dean? Where's Dean? He must be going around the outside. He must be down the inside. He must be coming past me. I didn't think for a second that you would have collected, Jay, uh, at any stage. And then when I came out of turn one, they come on the radio and, and said, oh, there's going to be a, a, a safety car, probably a red flag. And uh, then it sort of hit. And man, looking at the vision of that, that was a serious impact.
6: Yeah, look, uh, I mean, I, I got a glancing blow to the because I did half swerve, but um, not like Carl Reiner and Steve Owen at, at Perth. But, uh, yeah, I was lucky not to obviously rupture the tank and and things like that. I think the, the droppling from his rear roll bar ended up in, like, the second extractor in my engine bay. So that shows you how far underneath uh, I went under him. So, and you thankfully, we... Uh, we-
2: you were, you were walking a little funny after that after that as well. I remember speaking to you in the paddock straight after I was working for Motorsport News at the time, reporting, and you were complaining about some um, uh, issues in the crutch.
6: Yeah, look, one of those things, I was, uh, I did manage to get to the brakes, I was hard on the brake pedal, but I think right at the time when it had all made impact, so uh, I didn't have my foot on the footrest and just sort of submarined a little bit in the seat and... <clears throat> Yeah, gave myself a bit of a tickle, um, but yeah,
2: you know, I still I still had kids after that, so obviously it was okay. Yeah, all the uh, all the systems still working. So, mate, uh, after after that, Gary, um, being the uh, young talent spotter that he is, uh, gave you an opportunity in the in the main series in in two thousand six and two thousand seven, and a couple of good results. Your first uh, your first race win as well. That actually came in a in a reverse grid race over in in barbagello as well um the the gary thing i suppose didn't really end you know the way you would have you would have liked um what's your thoughts on on those two years with gary
6: uh look you know uh, the first year we started to build a bit of momentum but i guess the the biggest thing i never probably jumped up and down enough but um i didn't have a full-time engineer it was just a weekend guy that was a mate of gary's who with a shop guy motorbikes um, who used to just come along on a weekend so um, preparation wise you know that doesn't really if you did that this day and age you you'd, you wouldn't you know, you wouldn't even try and attempt to do that so um, I probably didn't push hard enough in that respect and then uh, the second year with Gary was probably the one that really came unstuck with the new VE um, uh, a lot of things went on in the background with the mechanic and when he first set up the car and I didn't find out till sort of halfway through the year that they kept having these dramas. They'd go from the workshop and they were putting lead in spots. They like, go, oh, it's very strange. We've never put lead in this spot and to try and get the car square and, and corner weighted properly. And it was, it was, you know, it was hard to drive that car when I first got it. And um, I blocked brakes and on the opposite side to what you would sort of expect. And, um, it come out later on, you know, halfway through the year, like we had a, had a big crash at Cooker Coe because the wheel came loose into the last corner, which sent me off into the fence. Um, that the scales and the, and the patch in the workshop that they use is different to the one at the circuit. And they painted the floor over the Christmas break and he hadn't re-leveled any of the patches. So the corner weights or across the front axle. I think there was like 150 kilos difference. You're um kidding. No, because they kept going from the, the workshop to the racetrack and they'd get this difference every time, but nothing clicked. Like, the mechanic was, I don't know, anyway, I, I, I don't <laughs> want to name him and shame him, but, you know, they, they'd go from the workshop where they sort of had it okay and they'd get to the track with a patch that they would reset every time depending on the circuit, and they'd go, geez, it's what, totally different in the workshop, but we'll take that as zero, you know? Like, I, I don't understand how it took them that long to work it out, but... Um,
3: See, some of these stories uh... you'd you'd never hear about. Um, A lot of people, a lot of fans would just say, oh, you know, Dean's not doing a good job or whatever they might say. But, you know, the reality is the equipment wasn't quite right. And and it's hard to blame everybody at the time because everyone thinks you're just complaining. Um, But... Yeah, you know, the the fact is this sort of thing happens all the time and obviously it wasn't on purpose, but it had a massive impact on you know, probably your career and not only just your results that year.
6: Yeah, and then, you know, I, I Lee was obviously on the way up and he was in the car from last year and I was overdriving, you know, as you do, you just I I should have thought about it more, but you know, in the in the moment you mm. just try harder, you try harder, you try harder, you make mistakes and um yeah. It's, it's a bit on both sides, but you know, I blame myself a little bit. But, you know, it was, it was unfortunate the way Gary sort of finished it up when I did confront him about, you know, what's happening. I've heard this, I've heard that. No, no, no. And he'd blatantly lie in my face. And then come the, uh, the January period of the following year or the third year of which I was supposed to have another year with him, he goes, Oh, I've got someone else.
7: Mm.
6: So he, he did, he, you know, he stitched me up. He didn't leave me an option to try and chase something else which is a bit of a, oh, I, don't, I don't know if you beat things out, but a contact. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can beat
3: that out, don't worry. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really have much, many nice things to say about him. I know he gave me mm. a chance, but he wasn't, wasn't very kind in the way. He sort of screwed me on that side of things.
3: Yeah. I mean, again, that sort of happens in motorsports so often. And you just like to get the heads up that, hey, I'm not in the framework for next year and you go and try and sort something else out. Now, you ended up uh, finding a home at FPR or Tickford, as they're known today. And that was a, quite a long relationship doing the Enduros. Obviously, a podium at Bathurst in, in 2012 as well. So, some nice highlights there.
6: Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I actually had a call from from Roland and from Tickford uh, once they'd heard about the Gary thing. I'd been with Roland before. Tickford were, were very strong at that point. And um, so, yeah, I, I did the Tickford the, the thing. And, yeah, definitely I uh, was their longest-serving co-driver and I think longest-serving co-driver in, in many teams. Um, and, yeah, obviously uh, second with Dave that year at Bathurst. Um, had some other years at Bathurst where we should have had results. Mm. and we, we didn't, but, um, you know, I, I had a, a very strong career and, and pride myself on how I I drove and, you know, and performed in the enduros, considering I really didn't do any other form of motorsport, you know, that even the boys at Tickford were like, how do you just hop in and and do what you do? So, um, yeah, I didn't really have that luxury of of doing Carrera Cup or anything else um, in the interim.
3: It is a challenge trying to get uh, miles uh, between enduro events, that's for sure. But probably the biggest challenge that you and I both face is driving with taller co-drivers. Now, I remember when you used to drive with Luke Yildon, when uh, the main drivers used to pair up. How did you make that work?
6: Well, it's been the same with every driver, really. I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a duck, so I've got very, very short legs and normal size sort of torso. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, with, with Luke, that was probably the biggest challenge. He was compromised, I was compromised, I was basically... Um, to get full throttle, I'd have to use my tippy toes and get all the way to the bottom of the throttle pedal to actually reach the same with the clutch. I was at full reach. Um, but that kind of stayed the same, even with Dumbrell, Reynolds and and Frosty. Like I'm just, I'm just so short in the legs. Um, and, and unfortunately you can only have the insert so big, so you're not, you know, outside of the seat. And, um, yeah, it, I, I remember one Bathurst one year I'd come out of turn one and my right calf was cramping because I was overreaching and I'd have to actually get my left foot onto the throttle pedal to try and stretch out my calf. And <laughs> for about three laps I was trying to get rid of this cramp. But uh, it was a challenge and, you know, it's, it's one of those things. you got to just shut up and and drive, you know.
3: Yeah, otherwise i give <clears> it to like, someone if, else.
6: Yeah, correct. If I complained and, and said, no, 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 like I, I probably wouldn't have over as many years as I did, so um, it was just one of those things. I had to cop and, yeah, I managed to make it work and it's funny now when I'm in the actual correct position, it feels too close.
3: <laughs> I remember actually some footage of you at Bathurst after you'd done a driver change and you are belting, <laughs> <laughs> belting up Mount Strait trying to put your belts on uh, and then you actually braked into turn two there and your belts still weren't done up. <laughs>
6: Well, they, they, were, they were done up. They were fixed, they were fixed inside the clip because you couldn't leave it lane without it. So don't, don't make stories up. Oh,
3: I don't know <laughs> um, about that.
6: They, they were still loose. So the, the drama we had at Tickford that year was the cool suit would freeze over very quickly. They didn't have a bypass.
7: Mm. So
6: as I was plugging in one side of the, the plug for the cool suit, the other side kept popping out. So I was trying to change gears, get the cool suit in, my belts were loose. <laughs> and yeah and then and i looked up and I was like oh i'm actually at turn two i need to uh, break here
3: <laughs> you soon realize so, uh, how much those belts are actually holding you in
6: so i think that's the year the rule changed where your belts had to be done up before you left it yeah <laughs> <lane.
3: laughs> last year you drove with Maka at bjr yep. a bit of a last minute deal but uh i think uh uh, you can elaborate on a little bit more, but you would have enjoyed your time with BJR. Not much pressure on you in that role. Um, are you looking to go back there this year?
6: Uh, yeah, look, I mean, Brad obviously uh, gave me a call last year and, um, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for their team. as one of the only teams I haven't really driven for. So, um, yeah, jumped at the opportunity and, and was looking forward to it. Um, obviously, Bathurst was the first enduro race, so... Um, getting miles before that was pretty critical. But um, unfortunately, we had a washed-out test day and I can't remember what happened. We didn't really even get much testing before Bathurst. So um, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge, but at the end of the day, it's, I know how to drive a supercar. It's just how they achieve their speed is a little bit different. Um, so, yeah, we went uh, went straight into Bathurst and unfortunately, Macca had a, a little incident in the first practice, which, which missed uh, my first practice session. Um, which you can't really afford to do at Bathurst, you know, time is critical. And uh, by the time we came to the race, we were a little bit off the pace. And, you know, we went a lot like down at some point in the race, and that was it. We just couldn't get it back. But, um, yeah, you know, I enjoyed my time with them last year at the Enduros. Um, wasn't the most competitive car, but I think this year uh, with the dampers, that's um, definitely even things up because that was obviously one of the things I started working with them last year after Bathurst with some development dampers because they did seem to be a, a fair bit out of the window. Um, yeah, I look, I appreciate the opportunity they gave me. It was my 21st Bathurst 1000 last year, and um, I think the age gap between Macca and I was the biggest in the field as well between the two drivers.
2: Uh, we we still look at you. I still look at you as a uh, young boy, but I guess uh, now that I'm becoming an old lad myself, um, uh, we can just remember the uh, the good old days. Um, mate, before, <laughs> we, we appreciate your time that you've given us. on parked up, and before we let you go. Today's uh, episode that we've recorded, we've uh, spoken about nicknames in Australian motorsport and some of the colourful and fruity ones that we've seen over the years. What did you cop as a uh, as a young lad growing up and and what do you find people call you at the racetracks these days? I know one of them, but we'd, we're definitely not going to repeat that just here. Stinky. <laughs> <laughs>
7: um...
6: Yeah, I don't know, I didn't really have, I can't think of me. I mean, Dino's obviously uh, the easiest one. What about? Um, can't say chop go on.
3: Short ass, that's what I copped. Surely you copped Short. that as well. As well.
6: Yeah. Nah. No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, oh obviously, when, when, when I evolved into being bald, it was baldy, but
3: yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what does Aaron call you? Pain in the ass.
6: <laughs> Schnookums. <laughs> Um, uh,
3: the her
6: one and only, basically my true love.
2: That's what she got. Ah, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. Well, that's that's really nice. Well, all our love to Erin uh, and your uh, your beautiful boys, and we appreciate your time on Parked Up. No and we look Thanks forward for to you seeing you one time when the world fixes itself up.
6: Yeah, yeah. you guys in Victoria,
3: there, just stay home, were you? Yeah, we're at home now very good thanks mate thanks guys All right, buddy catch ya
2: and we thank Dean Canto so much for his time he's such such a good dude such a good dude and and, uh, you could just uh, talk to him for ages and ages
3: oh he certainly is he's one of my good mates and we do uh, give each other a little bit of shit at times generally because he's tried to call me and I haven't called him back so he uh, that's rude it is a bit rude but I know he just wants to talk about nothing other than just pull my chain about something, you know. Uh, no, I do love my chats with Dino, so great to catch up with him. But we did chat with another race driver today. We yep. haven't
2: mentioned him yet. Yep. Now, in our very famous segment, we spoke to them before they were famous. That's the name of the segment. It's awesome. It rolls off the tongue so beautifully. We grab one young gun from karting or Formula Ford or or somewhere and uh, and just touch base with them. See what they're doing. Uh, and see what their future aspirations are. Today, we spoke to a young fourteen-year-old girl, and her name is Ava Agnes Didiardis.
3: Very good. I, I think you have nailed that.
2: I think I got that okay. Yeah. I do like my Greek people. They're, you know, they do the best food. They're, they're the people to hang out with. So <laughs> don't muck up this interview, please, because uh, if we can go over there for a bit of a Sunday barbecue, yeah. life's good for us.
3: All right. Good. I'll uh, I'll try and nail it. So. I'm going to catch up with Ava right now. All right, so very excited to have another young superstar on the phone this afternoon. Uh, Ava, how are you?
8: I'm good. How are you?
3: Very good. Thank you. Now, it's been a really weird time in this COVID-19 period, and we're all dealing with it, but tell us your story. What have you been up to? Uh, Have you been going to school? Have you been going racing? Or have you just been stuck at home?
8: Um, We've been stuck at home pretty much. Every morning we've probably been training and then doing online school, which is a bit sad. (laughs) Um, I'd rather be at school, but sadly with the stuff that's going on now, we have to do it online. And, yeah, we still – I'm keeping contact with some friends, but – it's better to see everyone in faces, I guess.
3: Oh, without a doubt. So has mum or dad been doing the homeschooling?
8: Um, we're lucky to have a really good school. We, they, Our teachers are always online with us every session, so mum okay. and dad just have to keep us company.
3: Yep. Let's talk a little bit about your racing career. Can you tell our listeners what class you're racing in and how you actually got involved in karting to begin with?
8: I race in the junior category, which is K2 and K3 at the Australian Kart Championships and I got into it from my mum. She got back into it a couple of years ago and I had a little squirt around one time and I knew since I got in the in that go-kart, I wanted to do it.
3: <laughs> How old were you then?
8: I was seven years old.
3: Seven years old. I started karting when I was seven as well and the first... First time that I got to drive a go-kart was around a basketball court. Did, do you have a similar sort of story?
8: Um, not really. I get to go around a, a go-kart track that my mum grew up at. Okay. That was pretty good.
3: And uh, so your mum was involved in karting. Did she spend a lot of years racing herself or was your dad involved as well?
8: My mum spent a lot of years doing it. My dad just kind of mechanic for her as they grew up.
3: Okay. Yeah, very good. So they sort of, they didn't pressure you to get into racing, but they were the influence to get you started in uh, in racing. Did you think you were going to enjoy it so much?
8: I used to dance before, and I kind of thought that was going to be what I did, and I think they thought that too, but as soon as I hopped in the go-kart, I said, no more dancing, I want to do this.
3: <laughs> Taken after <laughs> mum, awesome. Now, you finished second in the Rotax Pro Tour Championship last year, but... I believe that you were winning most of the the year. Um, What led to finishing second? And tell us a little bit about that year.
8: Well, the start of the year, we were running in the top three of the championship. Mm -hmm. And due to something that happened midway through the year, we were leading the championship. And then at the end, I started to grow out of the go-kart. So I was getting a bit too tall for it. For the chassis, so that kind of put us back a bit, but we were still fast, and just the, at the last bit of it, the other kid got the got the got the win.
3: So it's still a very good job to get second in the championship, though. Um, and I bet some of those boys were a little bit uh, worried that that you'd uh, ruffle some feathers and beaten them uh, to second the championship. So congratulations on that. Uh, let's you. talk about idols in racing. Uh, who is your idol? Is it is it a guy? Is it a girl? Do you have someone in mind? Um,
8: well, from this year right now, it'd probably have to be Lando Norris.
3: Okay. What do you like about Lando? Um, he he
8: like from what he's done and the way he drives is just like a really good driver, and I kind of look up to him and how like his personality and everything, how he takes everything.
3: Yep. He's got a very good character, doesn't he? Yeah. very good. Now. Have you been doing any racing during this lockdown period? Do you have a sim at home?
8: We have a simulator. Um, I'm not the best on it.
3: Okay. Me either. <laughs> My
8: brother. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's been on it a lot, but I have a go here there at the Kart Racing Pro.
3: Yeah. Okay. So has your brother been, uh, is he going to do some karting too?
8: Yeah, he races as well.
3: Okay. All right. So it's a family affair. Very good. And yeah. what's, what's your aspirations for the future, Ava?
8: Um, I think everyone's goal is wanting to get to F1. That's like the dream. Mm-hmm. But I would love to get into any sort of car. I want to get V8s, NASCAR. So I honestly just want to get into a car.
3: Yeah, cool. Well, you're, not too, you're not too far away from maybe having a, a test in something in a couple of years.
8: Next year, I'm pretty sure we might start testing, looking around for a car.
3: Okay, like Formula Ford or Excels or what are you looking at?
8: Formula Ford and Excel. Okay. Yep.
3: Very good. Well, that's generally the stepping stone jumping into something like a Formula Ford, learning a few of the circuits before you sort of progress into different categories. Now, this uh, segment is called We Spoke to Them Before They Were Famous. Now, if, if you do become super famous, which I reckon you will, Can you just remember our little show, our little podcast called Parked Up? And when we do ring you in a couple of years and try and get you on the show, you actually take our call? Sure. All right. Is that a deal? Yeah. Deal. And you're not allowed to answer anybody else's phone call? Okay. All right, cool. We've got exclusivity right here. Thank you very much for joining us today on Parked Up, Ava, and I really look forward to watching your career.
8: Thank you for having me.
3: Pleasure. Good to catch up with Ava there. Uh, very professional. Yes. she. That's not yeah, her first interview.
2: She sounds great. She sounds Did great. Did
3: really well there. And very fast as well. Yeah. She's got high expectations and aspirations, I should say. So it'll be, it'll be great to see what, how she goes in the future. And uh, she doesn't sound like she's really enjoying the lockdown too much.
2: No, nah, Well, none of us are. She is in the same boat as us.
3: Mm. It would be weird, though, getting homeschooled
2: yeah you imagine
3: the motivation wouldn't be that high
2: i did speak to her mum beforehand and she'd said that she is pretty set and forget she's uh quite disciplined quite well disciplined knows what she has to do 14 years old you know she can get on with her own thing her nine-year-old brother hard to drag him (laughs) off the simulator apparently (laughs) so that is just about it before we sign out for episode 20 of parked up we're powered by race fuels and uh we should talk about some online racing that's happening this week it's happening tomorrow night by the time we listen to this wednesday night uh we are racing no. or is it thursday
3: night no no it's wednesday night wednesday I got, night i've got the email today. down
2: tcr australia sim racing series and you had an absolute shocker at the gold coast <laughs> tell us what happened it there. Ac-
3: no it was actually a better round for me I, I got into third in the first race after taking about six guys off in front of me um so i'm just starting to learn how to drive on the sims unless you just ram into anybody and i was driving around going okay and then suddenly all the cars disappeared, but I was still driving around the racetrack at the Gold Coast thinking, where is everybody? But on our Discord channel, which is like our radio channel, I can hear the drivers, especially Will Brown, he not shut up, um, talking about the battle they're having. And I'm like, I'm in a completely different game here. Like what's <laughs> happened? Where is everybody? Um, and I'd lost connection with the actual server. So the week before I had internet connection problems where basically the thing just froze and chucked me out of the whole lot. This just had like a bit of a glitch or something and my internet was really strong. So anyway, that stuffed that race, but I started on the front row for the second race, blinding start, my best start of the year, led the first lap and that was it.
2: We didn't even see you. How did you not see that? Because you weren't in the race. You were not in the race and your car is not in the race. What are you talking about?
3: I led the first lap.
2: We didn't, you don't, you don't see your car on the broadcast. I did not know that. You need to go back and have a look. Your car is not in the race. So what happened in the ra- in your make-believe wham solo <laughs> race? What actually happened?
3: Well, I got off the line really well. I led the first lap. Then I came together with Jaden Ransley, who tried to pass me into turn one. And he literally just bowled me out of the way. Maybe because he couldn't see me. I don't know.
2: I can promise you, I absolutely promise you, you were not in this race. You weren't in this the race. This is absolutely news to look me at it.
3: because I started on the front row
2: there. You can see the spot that's left vacant
3: for me, right?
2: Listen to this. The commentators don't even don't even acknowledge you.
0: We wait for the red lights to go off and we look for a good start from John Martin on the front row. He needs points here. He's got a good start. We watch out for the contact further back. Ben barguana has been able to drop his weight through the order as well. This is round eight.
2: This is rubbish. Yeah, you're not... No, I'm gone. You're not even... You're you're not even in on the leaderboard. You're not... You're nowhere. So what happened? What did you see?
3: What I saw was that I I did get a really good start and then I led for the first lap and then Jaden got a run on me coming down the front straight for lap two and we made contact at turn one and I spun around and rejoined but that was it. And then my race is done. Honestly, that's what I, that's what I saw. So your, race was, so your race was done? No, I kept going, but I was like down the back. I, I came back on just behind uh, the battle group there with Chelsea Angelo and Ben Barguana and Will Brown and those guys and girls, and, and just sat behind them trying to get around them. But I had quite a bit of damage from the incident at Turn 1 um, with Jaden. Maybe he couldn't see me, like honestly maybe he literally couldn't see me and that's why we made contact because again i was like why did he just hit me out of the way
2: have you made any changes to your internet service or provider or or network or connection or something that is going to improve the usability
3: nothing because i didn't think it was uh, there was a problem you were not in that race oh my gosh Okay, well, I need to do some work before tomorrow night. <laughs> I
2: think so. You did send me, though, a little clip of you doing some practice mm. at Sandown. Yeah, no good. That, one didn't, that didn't go very well, well.
3: see, you've got to test the kerbs, and they're very aggressive at Sandown in this game, and you can't really use them that much, especially the kerb over the top down to what we call Dandy Road. I hit that kerb up on two wheels, and we might put it up later yep. on our Facebook mm-hmm uh and spun out but managed to stay off the wall so it's all good jeez jeez i was actually a bit surprised though i I thought the race was next week and then when benny McMillan sent the email today saying guys we're racing again on wednesday i was like oh crap i haven't done much practice at all anyway (laughs) it won't won't make any difference you're invisible (laughs) anyway
2: so don't stress all right there you go you can tune in and catch that on the tcr australia Facebook pages, the YouTube channels. It's not like us to have any uh, technical problems no. with any online racing that we do.
3: The problem is I generally have a friend of mine to help me, young Maddie kid. but because of COVID, he can't come around, so I'm just by
2: myself. I you, need tech gurus. You were literally by yourself yeah. at Surface Paradise. Damn it. Not to worry. That's it. That's episode 20 of Parked Up, and we'll catch you next week for more news and stuff. See you for now.